Welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. My name is Jody Lima, and on this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. I've been off since November, and I'm really looking forward to another great year ahead in 2022 for the Dream Gardens podcast. And we're starting off with a terrific interview with author and illustrator Rosanna Fung. We're going to be talking about her debut novel, a graphic novel for kids called Living with Viola, which I highly recommend. And we are also going to be talking about Rosanna's favorite book, a middle grade horror novel called Small Spaces by Catherine Arden, which I also highly recommend. But before we get to all that, I want to put a call out to the listeners, specifically those who are either librarians or who might know a librarian who specializes in kids' books. I I want to try a new segment sometime this year in which I would have a librarian come on with a book recommendation for a kids' book. Uh, It could be a picture book, a chapter book, a middle-grade novel, or a YA novel, or even a nonfiction book. It's possible that the librarian could have several recommendations, one for each kind of the books I've listed. So one recording session could actually cover several podcasts. And all the interviews are done over Zoom, so it doesn't even really matter where you are. And it shouldn't take up too much of your time. And it is a way of letting others know what great books are out there for kids and adults alike. If you're interested or know someone who might be interested or just want me to explain a little bit more what I have in mind, uh, please go to the contact page on the Dream Gardens website at jleemott.com and send me a note, and I'll be happy to talk to you. My guest today is author and illustrator Rosanna Fung. Her debut book is a graphic novel for kids called Living with Viola. You can find more information about Rosanna at www.rosannafung.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Rosanna. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, now, as I mentioned, uh, you've got this debut book out, and I did have a chance to read it, and I, I really do highly recommend it to anybody uh, when it does come out. Can you talk a little bit of uh, what Living for, you, for Viola is about? Absolutely. Um, So Living with Viola is a graphic novel, middle grade, and it is about the story about Livy. Uh, She is about to start grade six at a brand new school. So it is about her navigating, uh, you know, all the new adventures and make new friends that come with starting a new school. But it is also specifically about Livy's struggle with anxiety, who is personified in the form of a shadowy twin named Viola. Viola follows Livy everywhere around. She voices all of her deepest insecurities, her doubts, and her fears uh, until it becomes debilitating. So throughout the book, Livy is actually learning to, learns how to live alongside Viola, or in other words, she's learning how to manage her anxiety. And then other things about this book, it is much about Livy learning how to embrace her identity, learning how to recognize that her family and her their history is an integral part of her life, even if she doesn't always understand it. So there's a lot about unlearning shame as well. And it's about just, you know, embracing the things you love. If you enjoy something, don't let someone tell you that you shouldn't. (laughs) You should. If you love it, then you love it. And what was the inspiration for this story for you? Where did the sort of the the germ of this idea come about? 
Mm -hmm. So this book, a lot of it is based on my own personal experiences, especially with anxiety. I was definitely the same age uh, as Livy when I first started experiencing a lot of a lot of that debilitating doubt and insecurity. And, you know, it's a lot about this book is trying to figure out what is happening and for her parents and her family to understand what's happening. At the time when I was growing up, there was not as much uh, discourse about mental health and neurodiversity as there is now, which I'm very happy that there is so much conversation about it now. But back then it was, you know, it was so scary because I was like, what is happening? And my parents who are very supportive, but also, you know, were kind of at a loss because we just didn't know. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my teens, my later teens, that I was finally diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. And when that happened, it was like, it was almost like a relief because I felt like no longer alone um, or so isolated. And so writing this book is important to me because I want young readers or older readers, but younger readers to know that they're not alone and that there is help. And then for hopefully for them to find it, you know, sooner than I did and know that this support is out there. Because there's uh, probably, I mean, there's a lot more, um, like you said, uh, understanding about mental health these days and probably not nearly enough, but it's nice to and, and book for uh, young readers to see uh, something that deals directly with it, uh, and, you know, actually naming things and also talking about the process of both, you know, finding out what it is and what to do about it. Uh, as well, because it, it's it's one thing to sort of identify, but then say there is something that can be done, you know, people that you can see to get help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted that to be a very integral part of this book. Asking for help is something very I think difficult for a lot of people, even certainly people my age, like I'm in my mid thirties. And then one of the things that we often talk about with my peers is like, what I'm like, what is your greatest weakness? And a lot of people will say asking for help. That seems to be, I don't know, that's a big thing. And that shouldn't be though. There is no shame or weakness in asking for help. And it just, yeah, it, there is support out there. And I want people to know that, that there are more resources now. And the more uh, discussion that there is about it, the more, as you say, like developing a language, talk about it clearly to identify and then to then um, go out and try to create or understand different ways of um, living with mental health is just going to benefit everyone. And finding and dealing with this, uh, if you can, at a younger age so that it doesn't become something bigger and bigger as you grow older. And mm -hmm, exactly. Injury. Yeah. Now, I'm always curious. Uh, the, the This is, a like I said, a graphic novel. And I, I've talked to a lot of uh, picture book authors and illustrators. And a graphic novel is a very different thing uh, from a picture book. And so I'm just very curious um, in, in creating uh, this, uh, you know, both the, 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 you know, the illustrations and the text. What is, what, what is your process? Is it you have a story, you're creating text, you're creating I'm, – I'm just I'm curious because, I, I, um, like I said, I haven't talked to too many people who've actually done graphic novels, which, like I said, is a very, very different thing from writing a picture book. Right. So I love comics <laughs> and I've always loved comics since I was very, very young. And everyone's process for creating comics and graphic novels is going to be very different. But this is my process is um, I generally I, I enjoy working with a script like a written script not everyone does but I do like I love words very much <laughs> um, and often when it comes to ideas or even short stories I do a lot of short like 
10 panel kind of stories about my life sometimes. They often start as ideas in my head. And I'm usually, you know, on the subway, jotting things down or like taking a walk or on the bus or whatever. Um, And then finally, I usually sit down to write, gather them all together and create a, a narrative out of it. And in my head, I'm already envisioning panel breakdowns, um, what characters may look like, uh, what kind of setting. I feel like I've been doing it my entire life, even as a child. I often like to, you know, envision life and different stories in uh, not just prose, not just image, but in uh, a combination. And so while I'm writing a script, I am actually envisioning what it will look like at the same time in my head. Once I have the script, though, and I have like all the words sit down, then I will sit down to do thumbnail. So that's just like a page by page breakdown of what the composition will look like. And then from there, uh, I will work on like pencil sketches and then I, I ink it. So a lot of the stuff I do is currently drawn by hand and then digitally colored but lately I just got myself an iPad Pro which I love and so it has streamlined some of that a bit and I've been doing a lot of drawing directly on the uh, the iPad which is a lot of fun but yeah but before that I mean I still switch back and forth I use brush pens markers fine liners and then I color digitally either on uh, Procreate on an iPad Pro or on Photoshop and then yeah and then that is that is a very streamlined process of course there's a lot of back and forth but yeah that is that's my process I'm wondering too I know you, you say you start with the text for having idea for a story I'm wondering in the process of creating you know the the visual representation of that and you say you have it in your head do sometimes when you when you get it down on paper does it help you to does it sort of change or, or sort of give you a, a, a like a different understanding actually seeing it down you think oh you know this this doing it this particular way gives you a little bit of insight to this character or, or this this emotion or what's going on yeah absolutely it's stuff a very integrated process actually you know I say that I write everything down in script I usually do but it's often back and forth so then uh, I picture it in my head but as I'm writing it things change in my head and then when I actually start drawing it I'm like oh this is not you know this is looking different from what I thought or this narrative is changing in ways that I did not expect Uh, it can sometimes bring out actually more things from the uh, text itself that I didn't anticipate in a good way but sometimes it can change things because in the in the process of drawing, I see like, okay, so this is not coming across, you know, how can I, what can I do? What has to change either the image itself, the composition or the angles perspective, or is it that the story itself is not working? So there is a lot of um, give and take, a lot of like uh, molding back and forth. Is there a part of the book you can share with us? Yes. So I would love to share. Uh, I'll share the beginning part. This is on page six. So um, what I will do is uh, I will first describe the panel, uh, what is happening visually, and then I will actually read out what is being said by whichever character is speaking. So in page six, it starts with a panel in which the new Libby's new grade six teacher, her name is Ms. Leroy, and she's at the front of the class. She on the class, sorry, on the blackboard, it says Miss Leroy's grade six homeroom. And Miss Leroy is a tall, uh, a tall teacher, a tall lady. <laughs> and she says, welcome, class. We're going to have a great deal of fun this year. On the second panel, Miss Leroy stops and she's rummaging through her drawers and she says, but wait. I almost forgot something really important. 
Next panel, she's wearing a gigantic pair of heart-shaped pink sunglasses. And she says, and why does Miss Leroy need these giant sunglasses for class? Because this class is all full of bright students. And then everyone is saying, groan, ha, 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 ha. And they're laughing. <laughs> and in the last panel of that page, she's laughing. She takes off her glasses. She says, okay, time for attendance. So next page, page seven, uh, the focus is now on Livy and Viola. There's actually three of her all like flying all around her and Viola is whispering things to her. While she's whispering, Miss Leroy is taking attendance. So she's reading out names in the background. So uh, Viola is saying, it's first day Livy and you're already a disaster. This whole new school thing is going to be the worst. No one likes the new kid. And then in really small bubbles, there's names being called out. Arundhati Ahmed here, here, Zachary Barton, here, Olivia Tong. Next panel, uh, Viola is laughing really hard and Livy has a binder in her hand and she's flicking it right in front of Viola. And she says, stop it, Viola, go away. And then in smaller panels, it still says Olivia Tong. Next panel, loudly now, Olivia Siulin Tong. And then Livy freezes, binder still in her hands. It literally says freeze <laughs> right next to her. And the bottom of the panel says, here, I'm here, miss. And she jumps up and binders and papers flying everywhere. Next panel, uh, next page, sorry. It's now uh, we can see Miss Leroy and the whole class, everyone's looking at Livy and Livy is the only one standing up. And Miss Leroy says, look like, looks like we've got a dreamer here. You can sit down, Olivia, but please pay more attention. I call your name three times. And the last panel of that page is a large one. There is Viola hovering around again. Uh, someone, we hear someone snickering in the background and Viola says, did you hear that? Livy looks very abashed. She's hunched over her desk. She's still clutching that binder. Then Viola takes out a tape recorder and she said, don't worry, I've got it recorded right here forever. And she presses play. And then suddenly Viola is next to a giant double stereo amp. And you can just see, ha, 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 all over, all over the page. Okay. <laughs> Of course, for listeners who are listening to this, I would encourage them um, get the book so you can actually see you know the pictures on the page and see what's going on. But thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm I just just one last thing uh, with this book, I'm, I mean, just in general about graphic novels, because I think in the past few years they really sort of grown and, and sort of recognized as a real art form in themselves. It's not just, you know, a book with pictures, but it's, but it's actually, it's, it's own thing well, is, 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 is really is a work art, work of art itself, not just, uh, you know, just putting it, putting in pictures and that makes it an easy read. It really is, you know, can be, um, you know, engaging and challenging all at the same time. I mentioned earlier I have read I have loved comics I don't know as I remember learning how to read from Archie comics amongst like many other books of course but comics have always been such an integral part of my life um, but it's exactly as you say when I was young um, comics were still considered very juvenile um, you know dismissed as junk not real reading and actually I, um, I didn't really have a lot of comics aimed for me when I was young. So I read a lot of Archie, which are great, and a lot of syndicated newspaper comics, read a lot of superhero comics, but didn't have something that was for middle grade or younger or even for YA. But now things have changed so dramatically, and I'm so happy about that because there's like all these books that I love so much. And this book, I mean, I want to talk about it because this is, you know, based on my own personal experiences, but it is also a book I would have loved to read when I was 
10, like eight, nine, 10. Like I would have loved it. There was nothing like that for me at that age. And yeah, so that I'm very happy that that has changed. Um, and of course, not just for young readers, but for adults, I think, I mean, I personally obviously think comics are the best form of like any medium, but, um, but I'm happy that other people enjoy it as well. Now, the book you picked as one of your own particular favorite books is uh, called Small Spaces, and it was written by Catherine Arden, and it was written in 2018. And this is a middle-grade novel, middle-grade horror novel. And for readers who are unfamiliar and haven't had a chance to read this yet, uh, can you talk a little bit about what this book is about? Absolutely. So this book is also middle-grade, and... It is a scary, uh, it is a horror, like a ghost. Uh, no, it's not a ghost. It is a horror novel. And it is about uh, Ollie. Actually, it's so interesting because the protagonist is also named Olivia, <laughs> same as my protagonist, except she goes by Ollie. And she one day encounters uh, something strange and she there's a warning. And she, through a turn of events, she gets her hands on a book called Small Spaces. And that opens up sort of a an adventure a chilling I'm reading the book <laughs> the chilling adventure in the woods that happens um from a field trip gone wrong we'll call it like that and so she she and two of her classmates have to learn how to um survive and escape with this this new world that they've isn't this the world yeah I guess the new world that they've entered into that's really creepy um and order to and also to try to save everyone as well from their field trip so they have to figure out what's happening as well as there is a a sinister I guess a sinister figure who's controlling everything but without giving anything else away that is what that book is about when did you first come across this book so it's really interesting. Uh, I'm on Instagram a lot. <laughs> I am obsessed with social media. And I I follow the hashtag Bookstagram. And I love it because I get so many good book recommendations and reviews all the time. And actually, the first time I've heard about small spaces, actually, okay, Catherine Arden also writes an adult series called The Bear and the Nightingale, which I actually read way before Small Spaces. I also really loved it. It was fantastic. I think it's a trilogy. I'm not sure if it's a series. Um, but anyway, so I have heard her name before. And then I saw on this bookstagram post that she had a new book coming out and it's for Milgrade and it was called Dead Voices. And I was immediately struck by how beautiful the cover was. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I love beautiful book covers. So I was like, okay, I need to read this book and I have to find it. And then when I Google it I found out that it was actually the second book of a series and small spaces was first and so I'm like okay well I can't read dead voices until I read small spaces so I got it from the library it was actually it was I think it was Halloween time because I when it gets to September October I'm always looking for spooky reads especially spooky middle grade so anyways I found small spaces I'm like, okay I'll read this first and it just I read it and it blew me away. I loved it so, so much. And then, yes, I did go on to read Dead Voices. Uh, and I know this is actually a series of four. I think she's doing all four seasons. So Small Spaces takes place in the autumn. Dead Voices in the winter. Uh, she has her newest one out, but I don't remember offhand what it's called. I know that takes place in summer. And presumably she's working on the one for spring. So I'm very excited to read them all. I have read Dead Voices, though. But Small Spaces is definitely my favorite. That one I have not read yet, but I'll have mm -hmm. to get to it. Now, of course, you know, it is a horror novel, and part of it is just, you know, the emotion it brings forth. But, of course, you have to have a really good character to sort of draw you into the story. And, you know, Ollie's the main character. And I'm just wondering, what is it about her just as a, a main character that um, 
draws you in. You, know, you sort of want to follow along and you know, make sure she's make sure she's okay. I guess. Yeah. So it's um. There's a lot that's happening in this book, but without too much spoiler, a lot of it deals with grief. So Ollie is experiencing grief. It doesn't tell you right away, which is actually was a really interesting. Uh, narrative choice uh, in knowing that there's something happening that Ollie is suddenly a lot of a, a sudden change has happened in her life but it doesn't explicitly say what it is until I think page 100 or something like that but uh, Ollie so there's clearly something happening but she's also I don't know she's so cool when I read her I'm like oh she loves reading she hates it that all the books in her pirate books are all about boys like where is the female superhero or the female pirate I'm like yeah exactly um, you know she's tough she can she's great at math which i'm not but like i appreciate that and great at chess she can throw like a wicked uh i would say like i don't know what a pitch i guess a softball. i don't i'm bad at sports as well but she's really great at it and she's tough and she stands up stands up um for others and for herself but I also like that aloofness in the beginning, like she just did not have time for anyone, but understanding it was because she was dealing with a lot of her own things in her head and then how she changes throughout the course of this book. So that is why I'm like, oh, I really like she's such a cool person. I would love to be friends with her. And and part of it, too, you know, that aloofness uh, is she's forced to kind of confront that because she has to sort of she ends up in the company of people, uh, two kids particularly, who she at first doesn't really like all that much. Mm -hmm. And so she has to figure out how to deal with them and how to interact with them and how to work with them, uh, too, (coughs) while she's working through, like you said, you know, this other process that she's going uh, through of her own personal life. Yeah, I was going to say, I really love books and stories about things that do a dive into surface level, right? Like, especially about people where you're presented with an idea of a person, but then as the story goes on, you get more complex and nuanced understandings of what's happening in their head, their emotional states, um, what is their backstory, right? And it opens up so many things about, because I think that's important to know about people in general. We can't, it's easy to make quick judgments, but everyone has a story. Now it's it's interesting. We've we've mentioned many times that this is this is a, a horror book, which there's not really a, um, a a lot of them. I mean, there's there's a, a small market with horror books, but not especially for young readers. And just what do you think it is the appeal? I mean, I, under, I I really like things like this myself. It's not for everybody, but what do you think the appeal of books like this, books that are meant to scare us, especially for young readers? You know, because um, some parents would say, "Well, you shouldn't read things like this," but uh, I I I get it myself, but. Right. Yeah, that's a, you know what, I feel like that is a good question that many people are trying to always try to see, like, why is it that we deliberately try to scare ourselves? The Truthfully, I mean, I don't know <laughs> why it is. I do like the appeal of horror as a genre to, is used to really investigate a lot of, you know, uh, to make social commentary about a lot of things that are happening in ways sort of to amplify Things that seem hidden, um, whether that be social structures or attitudes about how we feel about certain people and so on, you know, like kind of like uh, I'm thinking specifically, like, you know, like Jordan Peele and doing like Get Out and um, and us right using horror to really understand a lot of attitudes that we may have about, you know, everything about life. And I really like that. It really bring thing, brings things to the fore. Um, I mean, science fiction does that a lot very well, too. But horror 
I just, it's just so, this is another reason why, you know, when people dismiss horror as another trashy genre, I'm like, you are wrong. <laughs> There's no such thing as a trashy genre, but also it does so many things about, it's very, they can be very enlightening, which I like very much. But as to why we want to scare ourselves, uh, I don't know. Uh, I enjoy it because I enjoy knowing that I'm cozy in my bed at the end of the day. Uh, I like getting a thrill. There's something interesting about entering a world and not knowing that anything can happen. I mean, that is how I feel about reading in general. I love reading so much for that very reason. But with horror, it just seems like, you know, all all bets are off, even though that's not true, because every book, every world has its own set of rules that govern it. But nonetheless, it really feels like oh anything can happen <laughs> and I really like that um, uncertainty it feels it's so thrilling there is a part of us it, it is yeah it makes me feel like it's exciting but also I feel safe <laughs> safe at the end of the day and it's interesting with books like this sometimes you find out you know um, what things you find the scariest or the most unsettling like for like for me in this book and I don't want to give too much away uh, for some reason, I can't explain why the, the most unsettling part, there's something that involves a countdown uh, mm -hmm. uh, that she doesn't understand why it's happening. And even worse, what happens when the countdown ends? And for some reason, that part of the that aspect of the book, I found the most unsettling, maybe the uncertainty of it. And maybe <laughs> just thinking of my you know, own life and the things I'm uncertain about, you know, and I'm not sure what's going to happen at the end. And for me, I didn't know if there was a particular aspect of this that you found particularly um, unsettling or creepy. Uh, I definitely, yeah, that de the countdown was a, that was such a good way of raising stakes in this book. Um, really, as soon as you see countdown, I'm like, oh, my adrenaline's pumping already. What I find I will hint at it. Basically, I mean, and this is not a spoiler because in the front cover, you're going to see a lot of scarecrows. I think the idea of um, objects that mimic hu humans, such as dolls and scarecrows, I find very, very unsettling. Like I have always so um, or even clowns, right, because it seems like um, a strange facsimile or a hyper hyper extension, I guess, of like humanity. It's, it's very strange. Um, and so I find them very, yeah, very dark. And so like, I maybe a large part of this because of scarecrows are a big part of this novel. It's extra, like, oh, so it's so much. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I like that very much. And yeah, the uh, definitely counting down. And it's, um, I have to say, there is also, specifically like not just the individual elements of the things that in the book but just the mood and the atmosphere that uh the author has created was so it's done so well um i also read some adult horror too not too many because i don't like too much violence but I think I read this the same year I read The Shining, Stephen King. I read this about like two years ago, three years ago. Uh, and like, I loved it, the, like The Shining book. Um, but then I was like, this book is, Small Spaces is not not so gory or not gory but it is so well done and equally like equal parts in terms of like the atmosphere, the really creepy chilling, like what is going on? Things are changing kind of atmosphere that makes that's what this book is one of my top horrors, like even amongst other adult horror books that I've read. Yeah, I was thinking as a writer, she juggles a lot of things. There's this sort of setting the mood and the setting. The setting is very key. Oh, so good. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, and so it is a, it is a, a ghost story and a horror story, but it's also about 
these these kids, particularly Ollie, and what she's going through. Is so it's also a very uh, serious book at the same time. All these you know these fantastic and weird things that kind of compel you want to keep reading, but it also has this this serious you know uh, undercurrent. So it is uh, you know it is about a person who we get to know and to care about, and that's a hard juggling act. Sometimes horror novels will emphasize more of the scary part, and then you have maybe characters that aren't so interesting. But she does manage to do both at the same time to create the setting and then create a character and then put her into this this very weird situation and what to deal with it. Yeah, that's totally agree. I, you know, without um, Ollie's emotional journey and without that strong backstory and her character, as well as the other characters, um, especially the main two, I probably would not be as invested for sure. Um, And especially Ollie going through what she's going through gives it just that much more um, meat to it. It's not, not that it's a ghost story, it's just a ghost story, but like um, having strong, really fully uh, fleshed out characters makes, makes everything just that much more interesting and that much more scary. Is there a part of the book you'd like to share with us? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would. I actually reread this again just two days ago. I finished it in like a couple hours because I loved it so much. It was so good. Okay. I will read. All right. I'll read uh, page 98. Ollie looked out the window again. How long had they been driving? She had gotten muddled while reading. The farm was not that far away, and they definitely had service there. She couldn't think of any no service spots between the school and the farm, but that didn't mean there weren't any. The noise in the bus was rising, a discontented, phoneless howl. Enough, bellowed Mr. Eason. He had already stowed his own phone. Well, bad luck, he said to the driver. Care to pop the hood? I'll pop, hop out and see what the trouble is. The driver pulled the lever for the hood, but he didn't get out to help Mr. Easton. He sank back down in his seat and stared straight ahead. Mr. Easton shrugged, pulled the lever for the door himself, and went outside. A creepy feeling ran down Ollie's spine. What had the driver said? They'll come for the rest of you. Mr. Easton thought it was a joke. Ollie remembered the driver whispering in the graveyard, and she wasn't so sure. The inside of her window was fogging up. Ollie reached over Brian, wiped the sleeve of her sweater on the glass, and looked. The trees were bare. The road stretched away, flat before and behind them. The grass between the road and the forest was long and wet and flopped onto asphalt. How long until dark? And with that, I will leave it for everyone else to read. It gets really good then. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably better that I read this as an adult than as a kid. I'm not sure. I know. <laughs> it's really creepy. It's so good. I can't wait to share this with my um, nephews and niece, but I'm like, mm, I'll have to wait till they're older. <laughs> Mm. Oh, it varies from kid to kid. I think That's some true. kids are perfectly fine true. with this. I'm, but me probably not. When I was, a yeah, kid, I don't I mean. know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I read this now, and I'm like, oh, I'm still creeped out from it. It's so good, though. Well, Rosanna, thank you so much for talking to me both about your own book, uh, Living with Viola. And I, I should point out, uh, we're recording this in November, but the 17th, and it hasn't come out yet. I think it comes out at the end of the month. Oh, um, it actually has come out. Oh, it has it's come a, out. It's been a very nebulous release day, but they are, yes, they has come out now. Oh, okay. I was going to say we're, we're going to be posting this in January, so it'll already be out. Oh, it'll definitely and, be out by then. Oh, okay. And a big yeah. success by then. So, yeah. Uh, so. 
All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to, to talk to me about this book and also to talk to me about small spaces. Thank you so much for having me. This was definitely uh, so much fun and a blast. You can find more information about Rosanna at www.rosannafung.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can find the Dream Gardens podcast website at jleemott.com and my author website at jodyleemott.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.